Good Saturday morning to everyone out there. 11.05. I'm Chris Crest and I'm here with Dr. Lou. This is the Dr. Pain Care Show and this is the show that we talk about the pain that you might be experiencing and uh, maybe uh, Dr. Lou can uh, help you out live here on the air. I'm filling in for John Scholes. He will be back here next week, but I thank you all for joining us today. Dr. Lou. Happy to have thank you. Thank you for, for being here again as you are every week. Here. Yeah, no problem for sure. Yeah, we, so yeah, like you said, anybody out there with their aches and pains, injury concerns, questions, health-related things, uh, looking for um, being pointed in the right direction. I'm happy to take those calls right now uh, for the next hour to see if we can address some of those things. We usually start the week um, or or the show with the week that was, um, and that's usually where I go through some type of clinical case or whatnot. Um, So this week, one of the things that was really interesting, I was having a conversation with a with a patient of mine that came in through the radio show. And and I think I've mentioned this before, but maybe I haven't highlighted it enough. And and maybe I even went through it a little last week. A lot of times people come in and, and you know, they, one of the questions after we figured out what's happened, like what, what the diagnosis is, is sort of like, well, why did this happen? That's, that's a question I get a lot. And, mm-hmm. and it's a loaded question because, um, it's difficult. A lot of times these things are an accumulation of events throughout your entire life that lead to some type of dysfunction. Um, and that dysfunction eventually causes the breakdown of something. And that breakdown will eventually result in the pain that you're having. Right. So so a lot of these issues that people have are functional issues. And, and I think we sort of touched on this last week where pain is often the end stage of dysfunction. So you can have a problem going on right now. You may not feel anything, but you may have a problem happening, um, and that could potentially predispose you to some type of injury um, later on in life. And, and kind of the example that I often give with that is sort of the alignment on a car, right? So you you can have malalignment on a car, and uh, you know necessarily minute to minute when you're driving, it's not doing anything, but then over time it does cause wear and tear on a certain tire in a certain place, and that can predispose different things. And the body's not all that different. We all are functionally different, right? That's very much dependent on our genetics. Like simple things that you can do is look at your friends and your family, and you will all have sort of a, a different gait pattern. Some people walk more toed out. Some people walk more toed in. Some people will be much more straight. And then we can see like some people have high arch feet. Some people have very low arch no arches whatsoever. Some people have what we would classify as normal. Some people are bow-legged. Some people are knock-kneed, right? Like, and I'm using these everyday terms. Mm -hmm. And all of those things, all of those genetic differences between uh, person to person as you're moving, as you're doing things in life will change um, where the breakdown can happen. And it doesn't just stop in things that are genetically embedded in us, such as our gait patterns or, or the way our knees end up being, but it can even be the things you're doing day to day. Right. So if you're sitting at a desk, um, you know, eight hours a day for whatever type of work, then, you know, we can sort of say, well, the most common injuries for that type of work are blah, blah, blah. Uh, and equally so if you if you are um, in some type of physical labor job, same thing. We can often deduce, well, here's likely what you're able to sustain um, later on in life. And and one of the things that we do with a lot of employers and a lot of big businesses um is where we highlight, so so we've had uh, numerous companies contract us out, and specifically me, um, where we essentially look at where are the injuries um, that are that are happening most frequently in that in that particular field, and how can you minimize um, those injuries? Is there something that the um, that they can be doing? Um, is there some type of um, you know added device that they could be using, or is it just a matter of being aware? 
Um, and a lot of the times, in all honesty, it really comes down to being aware. Uh, I do a lot of ergonomic assessments for different workplaces. And I mean, there's chairs and desks and everything that you can imagine. Um, very, very expensive stuff. But, you know, based on everything that I've reviewed in terms of the literature that it's available in my clinical experience, you can have the very best desk, the very best setup, the very best chair all, that money can buy, all of these things. Um, but our bodies just, in reality, are not meant to be static. They're not meant to be in any one position for a prolonged period of time. And when they are in that position for a prolonged period of time, that's equal to repetitive strain sprain, right? So so we actually call that, we wouldn't call that in, in the medical field sprain strain. We would call that a phenomenon called creep, Um which is essentially just tissue creep, so that if you are bent over, there's enough things happening um, in the tissues that stretch. And once that happens, you know, our, our ligaments, our joints, our ligaments, our muscles are there to essentially keep joints safe. Um, as soon as those tissues get stretched beyond a, a reasonable amount, our body will sense that. And it senses a danger to the joint because when you look at it from a musculoskeletal perspective, what's most important is that we keep the joints intact, right? Like nobody wants to dislocate a shoulder. Nobody wants to dislocate a hip or a knee. And those things aren't as easy as the shoulder, but that's what happens with the body is as soon as that tissue goes either too much repetitive strain sprain or creep in the things that you're doing, or again, even coming down to basic genetics, the way you move the, your, your body pattern, whatever it is, there are going to be areas um, that are more likely to be broken down. And so, and this was just a conversation that I was having with a patient when they said, well, why did this happen to me? Um, and it's like, well, that's hard. Number one, it's a very hard question to answer. And it's, and it's usually not something that just happened yesterday, right? Like usually when it is, those are called traumatic events and we can know, like someone comes in and says, Hey, I fell off a ladder yesterday, right? Like that is specific in time. There's, there's a point in time that we could put our finger on and say, well, this is a result of this. Um, but outside of those traumatic injuries, a lot of the, the things that are actually happening are prolonged trauma, right? If we could use that term, right? So it's not an instantaneous trauma, but versus a prolonged trauma that's been uh, accumulating over the years, the things that you've done, and those areas are just likely to break down. And that's the exact reason why, you know, someone who comes in with low back pain, you know, one of the questions that I and my colleagues will ask is, do you have a family history of low back pain as well? Like your parents, your siblings, because again, it goes back to genetics. Now, does that mean there's a genetic marker for low back pain? No, what it does mean is that there's some type of inherent dysfunction in the way that you're moving the things that you're doing that likely is a result of what creates that that type of pain. So essentially what I want to get across is that you know, although this is the Dr. Pain show, pain is the end stage of of dysfunction and and you know, it might be more important to focus on dysfunction first. Awesome. Thank you so much. We got a whole lot more with Dr. Lou coming up on the other side. And it's time to get your calls as well and get uh, you can talk to Dr. Lou himself and uh, maybe solve some of the problems to maybe a pain issue or maybe one of those strain issues that you are dealing with. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone to call Dr. Lou now. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. Give us a call. Give Dr. Lou a call, and we can discuss something that you're going through. Before we took the break, Dr. Lou, we were talking about you know, some of those the causes for pain and different things that people yeah, have. Right. And I was thinking, you know, 
it's got to be very important to know what caused your pain so that you can correct it in the future, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is, you know, whenever we've had calls, like let's say, let's, what's a good example? Let's use the shoulder, for example. And people call in and say, well, you know, I was told uh, on ultrasound by somebody that I have a tear in my shoulder. Um, and so now they're treating that tear. They're doing something like whether it's some type of physical therapy local to the area, like modalities to decrease the inflammation and the pain. And the second component that should always be part of a treatment plan is the rehabilitation. And what rehabilitation is, is essentially fixing those faulty, dysfunctional things that are happening inherently. And so one of the things around the shoulder is like, well, let's work on your scapular positioning, your shoulder blade positioning. Um, and, and that's very important. So yeah, it is important to figure out, well, what, where did this likely stem from? Because then if you can treat the issue, and and, the, and this is the problem with like, for example, just taking a pill for your pain is that is very good for removing that initial phase of pain, the inflammation and those things. And in fact, sometimes it's the only thing that works for those things. The problem is, is if you're doing the same dysfunctional pattern or whatever we deem to be that, that to be, or if you're in the same repetitive strain sprain, then good luck. It's just going to come back. All you're, all you're doing is finding a temporary solution. And I've said that to people that have called, right, where, where they've said, you know, I've got this neck pain. And then we start digging in and it's like, well, where does it happen? Well, this is what I do for a living. It's like, well, if you somehow don't modify that pattern, then... You can treat the neck pain, and, and yeah, it might be better for a day or two days or three days, whatever that number is. Um, but as soon as you go back into that faulty pattern, then there you are. It's, it, you're, you're right back to where the start is, right? Like another example to relate it to, to something maybe a little more common for people is like diabetes, right? If you've got, if you're diabetic and you have high blood sugar, um, you know, Obviously, you can be on medications like metformin to help control that. But part of it would be, well, if you're just on that and you're not changing your diet to limit the amount of glucose that you're taking in, especially things with a high glycemic index, well, then you're not really providing a true solution there. And and musculoskeletal pain is the way, yeah, we got to find how can we target that specific issue in terms of the pain, the inflammation, so we can minimize it with the second intention being let's rehabilitate it. Now, in rehabilitation, that's essentially what it means is how, how do we fix the dysfunctional pattern? Mm-hmm. I guess it goes back to that old day. Hey, doc, it hurts when I do this. Well, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So part of it that is, is going to be rehab. And the yeah. other part is we got to improve the yeah, way that and, you're and using your shoulder, you're standing at work or you're lifting or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny just on before we take this call, because that, that's a great point. And so, you know, when people again, let's use the example of the shoulder. When people develop shoulder pain, people will often you know, you become focused on it, number one. Any type of pain that you have, you're going to focus in on it. As you focus in on it, you know, you'll start to notice, well, hang on, if I twist my arm like this and put Mm -hmm. it backwards and blah, 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 it really starts to ache. And it's like, well, your shoulder's not designed for that either, right? So, So there's also a component where people, because they're focusing so much on things, they do things that aren't inherently normal to the body anyways. Like anybody's shoulder, if you rotate it like that and put it behind your back and try to, you know, reach your other leg or something, like that's not the function of your shoulder and so and so that's very important too and 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 it's funny that you bring that up because a lot of people will come back in and say like feels great except when i do this and then they end up showing you this movement pattern that's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous why would you do that why would you ever do that (laughs) exactly hey we're going to take your calls right now 416-870-6400 star 640 on your cell phone we're going to start off with patrick in toronto patrick thanks for calling what's your uh, problem for dr lou yeah hi hi dr lou i appreciate you taking the call um 
it, it, yeah, I'm not particularly concerned about this issue, but it is, it's a mystery to me. Okay. Um, I, I, basically what happens is I can feel a pain, like a, 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 a certain thing coming on in my lower bowel and it's, um, it, it's, it's, and I know that it, it's going to get worse, that there's going to be a, a clenching pain that is going to come. It's going to tense up. It, it's going to sort of be centered around my lower bowel for about 10 minutes, maybe sometimes less. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause me to perspire. It's going to cause me to be somewhat immobile. I've actually been driving when it happened and continue to drive, but was obviously uh, very uncomfortable. And then it, the tension releases, and mm-hmm. then I, 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 I'm incredible relief, just, just unbelievable relief, and it, and it's all, it's all done. Okay, and so I guess my first question becomes: Have you had this checked out by anybody? No, no, I no. never have. Okay, I, 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 it, it, it's, it's rare. It comes about every several months, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I have not. I have not. Yeah. So I mean, so this is the, the diagnostic process here, and and. Is this is the way I look at these things, especially when we're dealing with, say, the thorax and the abdomen, because we've got vital organs in that area, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so if someone says to me, "Hey, like this is the perfect example. I've got this pain that sometimes happens. It's in my bowel." Blah blah blah. Like, so mm-hmm. a lot of things can cause bowel pain, right? All the way from very serious, like things like bowel cancer, and what mm-hmm. all the way to muscular tissue in that area, right? But that mm-hmm. that is very much on the benign spectrum, and that's almost what we would consider more of a, a diagnosis of exclusion. So we'd want to make sure that everything else that's really, really bad isn't there for sure. And once those things are eliminated, then we can start to say, okay, well, it's probably then just related to the to the musculoskeletal system in terms of muscles. The you know that area that you're describing, you've got the hip flexor, the psoas muscle that goes from your low back to your hip, and maybe that's simply what's spasming. But I think it's always prudent when you're dealing with again the thorax or the abdomen that you rule out the more serious causes, and 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 that doesn't need to be like you know 500 million tests. So someone like you, you say that to me. I'd want to, you know, a lot of it can be investigated just simply based on questioning, right? Like questioning around your bowel movements. Is there anything wrong with your bowel movements ever? Like scary things like, you know, is there ever blood in them? Is there ever tar-like? Anything like that. Now, and we won't go through this, but just as an example, um, and then maybe some simple blood work, like just to see like what's your overall health look like, and probably some type of abdominal ultrasound to start, like something very low, uh, low level imaging that's quite readily available that can give you a pretty good indication. So you can look at that and like, so now the process becomes. So we go through a history. It overall sounds benign or or not overly concerning, right? Assuming there's no red flags that are present, then mm-hmm. then we say, okay, well, let's go for some blood work. Let's do the ultrasound. Things come back. It looks normal. Then and, and this is the way the algorithms work, right? Like if 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 it comes back and there's something abnormal, well, then you're going to get referred to a GI specialist because it needs to be investigated, right? But mm-hmm. assuming it all comes back normal, then we start to say, okay, this is likely just simply muscular issues, and it could be something like a psoas spasm, um, because it, you're saying like all, already I know very very little, but based on the me- mechanics, yeah, yeah. is you're sitting in a car, which means your hips are flexed. Um, and then all of a sudden, a depending, chair, yeah, per, sorry, perhaps, or in a chair or, or in a chair, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. nevertheless, your hips are flexed. And so yeah. that, that is when your psoas is contracting. That's how you, you flex your hips. So, and then that can be treated. So 
These are, th and, and this is the diagnostic process, and this is what I really try to get across to people. This is what I do. It's not about the treatment half. It's really about figuring out the right diagnosis first, because if you have the right diagnosis, then the treatment is just easy from that point, or, or it may not be easy, but at least we know what we have to do. Um, so I would say, first and foremost, get it checked out in that regard. Give me a call, and, and we'll help set you up with someone who can do that. Okay. Thank you, doctor. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling Patrick. No problem is too private. Give Dr. Alou a call right now. Uh, Patrick, to follow up, you can call Dr. Lou's office at one 55 doctor Lou. That's one 553 Back with a lot more Dr. Lou. More calls coming up on the other side. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. Give us a call. Give Dr. Lou a call here. And uh, you know, no, no problem is too too hard or too... Well, too, well maybe... I, I will point... I will point... <laughs> these are not my specialties, but I absolutely am well-versed in, you know, the whole body and whatever aspect of healthcare there is. And, and I know enough to know that I don't know enough and when, when it needs to be referred to the right people. So I'm happy to answer anything. Give us a call and see what he's happy to answer here. <laughs> Dr. Lou is standing by to take your call. I thought that was really interesting with Patrick there. And actually, it, it may have spurred on an, another caller yep. here. And I, I believe it's uh, Corinne in Bowmanville. Hello? Did I put the... How about now? Hello? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's, uh, what's uh, your question for Dr. Lou? Um, so I've actually been dealing with severe abdominal pain for the past five years. Okay. Um, it originates in the lower abdomen, and then it kind of spreads throughout the whole stomach section. But it also swells up my sides. Swells? Um, yeah, like okay. my sides kind of puff out to the point like my hips almost look like they're being dislocated. Okay, so so over a five-year history, I'm, I'm, I would hope that someone you've been investigated, and I'm assuming have, the answer is yes. I have been investigated. I've been told uh, by a bunch of doctors so far that I've been a mystery. Okay. I've had my gallbladder removed. I've had uh, endometriosis removed. I've had uh, uterine surgery, um, a bunch of different surgeries I've had um, to the point like it's now coming up to like six years now mm -hmm. and I still haven't gotten any diagnosis I still get this pain to the point like I have troubles actually going to the bathroom mm -hmm. and when I actually do go to the bathroom it's to the point I have the pain so bad that I vomit and start to feel like I want to pass out right have you been actually yeah so no go ahead no and this actually happens pretty much like every time I have a bowel movement as well Okay. Have you been investigated for any autoimmune causes to this or any autoimmune diseases? Yes, I have. And everything was clear? Um, I do have a bit of an autoimmune deficiency. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, but they haven't really said that it's the cause or the problem that it's stemming from. Do but I was also diagnosed when I was a child with Kawasaki Syndrome Disorder. Mm, okay. Yeah. So that, that would be um, significant. What's, what's your ethnic background? Just because that matters for these types of things. Uh, Caucasian. Okay. And so what was the autoimmune um, disorder that you were diagnosed with, if you don't mind uh, sharing that? I can't even remember right now. Okay. It's been so long ago. Yeah. So, I mean, just based, like, and the reason why I asked that was because as soon as you said, like, anytime someone's talking about pain and swelling, like, one of the things, especially on both sides of the body where it's it's symmetric, 
one of the things that pops into my head right away is some type of autoimmune disorder. Now, okay. the thing being this, and, and the reason why maybe, and again, I don't know enough, but I'm just going to use this as an example to talk and maybe give you some ideas to think about. Um, when it comes to autoimmune diseases, we, we can classify some of them very well, right? Like things like rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and, and, and ankylosing, and even these ones aren't that easy to classify, but we're better at it than a lot of things. Having said that, there's a whole spectrum of autoimmune diseases that we we know, okay, the body is attacking or the immune system is attacking the body. We just don't know why and we don't really know what to call it. So, but what we do see is is a is a some type of constellation of symptoms that is is the same throughout person to person or or case to case. So, like the pain, the swelling, bowel issues. Um one other question that I have with you and again, if you don't want to answer anything, you don't have to answer anything, but are you a very anxious person? Yes, I am. Yeah, and, I, and and so this is a big thing, like when it comes to, and, and I almost could tell right off the bat with just the way you were, uh, the way you were talking, and, I, and I've picked this up throughout the years of dealing with people, but as soon as you become very anxiety prone, that is absolutely going to make any autoimmune disease potentially worse because once you start to think, well, what causes the body's immune system to attack itself? And sometimes it can be infectious things that that create that type of thing, um, or sometimes it's just some type of something going wrong with the body. But a lot of times it's just simply stress. And if you're overly stressed, then then your body's going to respond. And and one of the highest areas of nerve innervation nerve intervention in the body is your gut. And so. If you have a lot of anxiety, you will. People do tend to feel that in their in their abdomen, in their gut, and essentially that's what irritable bowel syndrome is. Is 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 sort of stress in the gut related to anxiety and depression and these types of things. H- hang tight because I think we're going for a break, but I want to talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Please hold on. We're coming back with a whole lot more, Doctor Lou, on the other side. Eleven thirty four. Dr. Lou here, Dr. Payne Show. I'm Chris Creston sitting here with Dr. Lou as he's solving people's problems. I'm just wow. sitting back. I'm, I don't know about solving. I'm, I'm at least shining. It's tough for me because, you know, when it comes to healthcare, you never want to be absolute because, I mean, I don't know everything, that's for sure. But, um, yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're trying. We're, yes. we're, we're trying yes. to help people here. And we've just been taking a call here from Corinne and, uh, you know, a, a problem that is, starts in the bowels, yep. moves on through the stomach. And mm-hmm. it's it's been a, a continuing problem for her and a bit of a mystery. And yep. uh, we're continuing with Corinne. Thanks for holding on over the break. Thank you. No problem. So. Yeah. So as I was saying, Corinne, like when it comes to anxiety and those types of things, that's always going to make those types of issues um, worse. And the only reason why I bring that up is not to say, well, it's a result of that. It, that doesn't, that's not what matters to me because everybody, I have anxiety. So like everybody has their, their, you know, crippling things in life. Yeah. So that doesn't matter to me, but what does matter is that understanding that there is a, a link there that if you can control that, that anxiety somehow, then that can maybe help your bowel issue. So, so a lot of times these things aren't just simply a physical manifestation. There's also some type of psychological manifestation to these things. And that's why when we look at pain management, and, and especially when I speak about pain management, we're dealing it not, we're, we want to deal with it not only 
only from the physical perspective, but from the psychosocial perspective. And so I think that's important. And and this is complicated, right? This isn't talking on the radio doesn't do it justice. But, you know, please give me a call. We can go through this further. I can explain these things further on on that relationship and, and you know, um, try to figure out, you know, is there something else? I'm also interested to know the extent of the test that you went through, what came back positive, what was negative, because that may, that will, not may, it will start to paint a much better picture for me on exactly what's what's going on. Okay, perfect. Okay. It's a number to call is one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. That's one eight five 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 three seven five six eight. Thank you so much for calling. And, uh, hopefully that uh, Doctor Lou can help you get to the bottom of it. We'll, we'll so get her to the right person for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, more calls coming in. The number to call us live here on the radio is 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. We'll start here with, uh, is it Aber in Mississauga? Hi, yes, this is Abner. Hey, Abner, thanks for giving us a call here. What's your question for Dr. Liu? Well, I just wanted to start off by saying that uh, for the last 25 years, the WSIB has been bankrupt. And uh, the healthcare system budget in Ontario has increased from $17 billion in 1995 a year to over $60 billion this year. My question is what have ergonomists, healthcare professionals, the Ministry of Labor, and the worker compensation, what have they done to protect workers, certain workers who are prone to uh, repetitive? work injuries, you know, going home with aches and pains on a regular basis because of the nature of the job that they're doing. I'm talking about factory workers, warehouse workers. You know, the nature of the job is hard. It's difficult to work eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. You go through monthly to weekly, sometimes to daily. So, yeah. So, Abner, let let me sort of just interrupt you here because so let's understand what my job is. I'm I'm a healthcare professional, so I, I treat these things, okay? I'm not... I'm not a politician. I'm not a policymaker. Um, and, and I think those questions are better directed towards those types of people. Like, how, how do we, I'm, I don't necessarily disagree with you, in all honesty, but that's that's a different show. That's a different topic than what we're focused on. It's, it's more than it being a different topic. It's not my scope. I don't believe that I have, um, I, I don't have the right answers for you because I don't know. I'm not a politician and I'm not a policymaker. I simply work within a system that is created that, you know, is is what I work in. Does it have flaws? Yeah, absolutely. Is there a better way that we should be doing things for, you know, the workers as you're highlighting? Yes, absolutely. There, there's lots of things wrong with our call it healthcare system and the way we go about, you know, ensuring safe work and all those things. But that that's not something that I can really comment on in terms of uh, you know, what What has the government done? Because, again, I'm not a politician and I'm not a policymaker. No, but based on my experience, you know, mm-hmm. the worker compensation system is designed to get injured workers fired, to find uh, injured workers' jobs that are not suitable for them, mm-hmm. and to not compensate for workers on a regular basis. It's a system designed to disable workers. Okay. Where you suffer... And I, and I appreciate where you your... Suffer, where you suffer where you suffer spinal injuries. So Abner, again, I appreciate I appreciate so a, your it's a, opinion. It's not, pre- it's not a preventative system. Right, and I appreciate that opinion. Again, this has nothing 
it's not about whether I agree or disagree, but is there a question here for me? And if there isn't, then I, I don't think this is, again, the right place for me to comment. Um, I, again, I don't necessarily disagree with you, and I have my opinions, but we'll talk about that, you know, some other time, and, and there's probably a better person that you can contact, such as your local, you know, MPP or, or, uh, or whomever. Yeah, obviously a lot of frustration there, but uh, yeah, no, and I mean it's it's they're all great points. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't again, there's that's a very important debate to be had, but you know that's not what we're focusing on here in terms of what if I I can't comment yeah, on what you, we've well, done. It's you, not you, I don't you, you try that. and diagnose yeah. a problem when it's presented, and uh, you know the yeah. pre- the prevention thing is yeah, that, it, that's a very big and, problem. That's a large and you know we deal with motor vehicle accidents with WSIB injuries and. One of the things that I, you know, and I'll work closely with people like Savan, right? Like on the personal injury side, because, you know, what I always tell people when you're hurt in a car accident is there there is a legal side to all of this, mm-hmm. right? Like you're dealing with someone else having to pay for your injuries, those things that that becomes a legal issue. And the, the insurance is not going to be afraid to make it a legal issue. So you need to be protected. And, you know, when when people ask me, who do I recommend? I would recommend Savan and his team in terms of the personal injury side. But as healthcare providers, I have people who say, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And then they get to the point where they want legal advice from me. And it's like, well, I'm not a lawyer. That's not my job. I don't, I don't provide um, legal advice. I don't make policies. I don't do all those things. I think when people have these types of concerns, and I think you know, there's they're important concerns. I think you need to be voicing them to the, your policymakers, and that's why we should all be voting for for what for <laughs> these platforms. All right, that's Doctor Lou. He's a doctor, <laughs> and he's <laughs> and he's here to help you with your pain questions here live on the air. It's four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell phone. Uh, give us a call and ask Doctor Lou a question on the other side. 11.43. Good Saturday morning to everyone out there. Dr. Lou is here to take your pain questions live on the air. And uh, let's get to the phones right now because I know there's a bunch of people waiting in the queue. We've got uh, Frank in Woodbridge right now. What's your question for Dr. Lou, Frank? Yeah, uh, good morning, Dr. Lou. Good morning. Uh, uh, yeah, my story is a little bit complicated. Way back in February, I collapsed mm-hmm. and fainted. My, my, um, about 10 years ago, I had a stent put in. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, I went to, they sent, they sent me to Humber. I went to Humber uh, River there. Yep. And then from there, they took me to Toronto General to do the angiogram. And it says it's the same thing as 10 years ago. There's nothing wrong. My blood had, hemoglobin had gone down to 80. Okay. And uh, so they put me, uh, they did the endoscope. And uh, they said I was bleeding ulcers. Okay. But... Uh, I have not been the same since, um, you know, I'm taking um, a diabetic, but now my diabetes has gone down. I've lost over 50 pounds. I'm, right now what's happening to me is I'm drowning in esophageal reflux mm-hmm. and burping. Then I, had, then I was diagnosed with anxiety, which was all kinds of anxiety in my body, tingling symptoms, of, and uh, they put me on Ciprolex. And uh, for a while, and the lorazepam, the Ciprolex didn't do anything. At the moment, I have to take some lorazepam just to calm me down. Something. Right. So, so Frank, what? Sorry to interrupt, but what's what's the question then? Well, the question is, I'm still suffering. I have to go back to the specialist now. They they wanted that. I've never done a colonoscopy. Yeah. In my life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know where I go from here, whether it's the anxiety that's causing all this esophageal reflux. Well, okay, so so I think, again, anxiety is similar to, like, saying it's... So anxiety is one of those things, like, you could determine that the, the cause of something is stress and anxiety-related, but that should be, again, the diagnosis of exclusion. That should be the last thing, because you'd want to make sure that there's nothing more serious. And, I mean, when somebody's hemoglobin is, especially for a male, you're going down to 80... That's very, very dangerous. That that means there's somehow blood being lost somewhere um, that's that's creating that hemoglobin to be so low. And, I mean, ulcers could absolutely create that. But I think if you have not had a colonoscopy, um, in fact, a scope from both ends, then, then that's what needs to be done. You have to see a GI specialist to make sure that there's nothing going on. Are you anemic as well? Do you have low iron? No, I, I, I was in the iron pill. I, I went up to... 135 at one point. But you were low. I was way low. Then. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so. I went to 135, then it went to 128. The last one is at 107. Okay. Yeah, so there, there is some, so there's a fluctuation there in your iron levels in, in an anemia. And one of the things that we look at is something called anemia due to chronic diseases. So there's, there's a whole host of things that can create that type of presentation. Um, it sounds like you're on the right track in terms of, of, seeing the right people and doing the right things for for getting the answer. But there is a process involved, and it sounds like, you know, the process is often not quick, unfortunately, but but you do have to go through that process. But th- this is complicated. It's not something that I can give you some type of answer on the on over the radio. Give me a call, um, you know, and, and we can discuss a little bit further, and I can just see, make sure that you're in the right direction or if there's anyone else that can help in your care. The aspirin and the Plavix that they give me, yeah, it's potential, but again, this this is not something. These are very hard things for me to just say yes or no over the air because that doesn't do it justice. I need to understand the extent of everything that's going on in order to start to deduce these types of opinions. Frank, give uh, Doctor Lou a call one eight five 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 Doctor Lou to follow up on that. I want to try and get a few more calls in here right now. We've got Kent in Newmarket right now. You're having a problem with your elbow. Yeah, hey, Dr. Lou, thanks hey. for taking my call. No I problem. It. Hey, a question for you. I was a competitive water skier as a young man and did a lot of competitive slalom skiing and was a real, you know, gym nut doing a lot of workouts. Now, as I've aged, I'm now in my mid-50s. I've got a lot of pain on the inside mm-hmm. of the elbows, not the outside like you would think it was tennis elbow, but actually on the inside of the elbow. So if yep. I were to shake your hand and squeeze it, mm-hmm. I'll get a shooting pain up the inside of the elbows. Okay, got you. So the question I've got is, like, I can push my thumb on my elbow and flick a ligament or a tendon or yep. whatever it is, and, and, you know, I can certainly feel some, you know, acute pain when I do that. Yep. Is there anything that can be done for that? I had surgery done on my left elbow years ago. Mm-hmm. It helped a minor amount. So yeah. the surgery wasn't really worth the results. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is there something that can be done? Absolutely. I think I think the question becomes what is creating the pain, right? So so you can have things like medial epicondalgia, which is golfer's elbow, right? Commonly known as golfer's elbow, which is just a, a strain within the ligament. You can also you're also describing potentially the ulnar nerve path. So this might be a nerve issue. It could be an entrapment of the muscle around the nerve. It could be higher up in your neck. Like the the, the important thing to determine here is what's creating that pain. And it may not 
not just be in the elbow. It might be in the shoulder somewhere. It might be in the brachial plexus. It might be in the neck that's creating that type of, of, of symptom. So, you know, I, I think to answer the question, can something be done? Yeah, likely. But first step is figuring out what exactly is causing that. Because all you've given me is, is elbow pain. And there's a spectrum of things that will create elbow pain. And so we, we got to start to figure out, well, what, where on that spectrum are you? And, and what's the most likely thing? Well, on that note, I do have neck issues, and I have a wedge pillow that I put my yeah. neck in traction all the time, yeah. and it is definitely up the back of the neck, so you could be right with respect yeah, to so, pain. Yeah, and, and that's right, and that's the, the important part is that's where the history is important because you start to figure out the signs and symptoms that someone is describing, whether they suggest more of a nerve issue or more of a ligament issue or a muscular issue, and then we move into the physical exam, and, and those types of things, Kent, those are the things that like I can see in an office and within 15 minutes have have a very very good idea of what's going on and put you on the right track so come see me and let's get that figured out okay fair enough. okay i appreciate it sir. no problem thanks for calling kent you can call dr lou 1-855-55-DR-LOU 1-855-55-DR-LOU to follow up with him and we'll try and get some more calls in on the other side here on the dr pain show it is the Dr. Payne Show. We are here with Dr. Lou. You can send him an email, info at paincarecanada.com. Visit the website, paincarecanada.com. We've only got a few minutes left here and want to try and get to as many calls that are in the queue as possible. So please uh, keep your questions short for Dr. Lou, and we'll try to get to the bottom of these uh, situations as quickly as we can. Let's start with Jeff in Peterborough. What's your question for Dr. Lou? Yeah, I'm sort of looking for a referral. Um I've got a uh, carotid artery that's 100% blocked, and they don't know why. And I'm only 46 years old, so they're treating it and everything. They're monitoring everything, but I just need to know if there's any other uh, doctor that you would recommend have a a look at this. Well, who are you seeing about it right now? Um, I'm seeing two specialists. What types of specialists? Um, He's... One's an uh, actual surgeon that yeah. I don't even know what they're... Yeah, some type of vascular surgeon, okay. Vascular surgeon, and yeah. another one's uh, spe- specifically a heart yeah. surgeon and, and, you know, those specialists. Yeah, those are, the right pe- those are the right people to be seeing. If you needed anyone more specialized, they would be the right people to, to point you in the right direction. But, yeah, keep, keep an eye on that. That's, that's uh, serious stuff to have a, a carotid artery 100% blocked. Yeah, my my only thing was, the question was, I mean, they could ne- they can't tell me how it happened or why I've got this at such a young age, right? Yeah, so, I, I and if they can't tell you, I'm even more perplexed. I have no idea why why it would be why it would be so blocked at such a young age. That's that's they're going to be much better at maybe having some type of idea, but I, I can't comment. I'm not sure. So there's no other doctor you could. If I was supposed to get a second opinion that you'd recommend, or no, I think you're seeing the right types of people. I mean, they they would take an issue like that seriously and try to to manage it. And I, I think sometimes when you have serious issues, people often want to know, well, what caused it. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but the important thing to remember here is is that going to make a difference right now? The reality is you have it. So the important thing is how do you manage it going forward? And so, yeah. and I think maybe focusing your efforts on that is going to be much better for you in the long run than than going crazy on how did this happen. Just get that, keep an eye on that, and they're the right people to keep an eye on it. Um, and and I think that's that should be your train of thought. 
Thanks a lot for your call, Jeff. Sorry to cut you short. we got to try and get a few more people in here. Larry in Toronto, what's your question for Dr. Liu? Yeah, Dr. Liu, uh, I had a fall uh, last uh, Friday, mm-hmm. and um, basically I rolled over and I landed hard on my on my palms. Yep. And um, I could I couldn't move. I couldn't get up. I I, I couldn't move my my hands. I felt like almost paralyzed. Okay. Um. At the end of it all, um, they they said that I had a small fracture on my left wrist. Okay. They put a cast on it, and then on Monday I went back to see the the specialist. He took it off and he gave me like a um, one of those uh, stints. Yep. Okay. To the bad wrist, uh, from my shoulders down, and then to my palms. It feels like the skin's been peeled off, and everything's like in major pain and very, very sensitive. Yeah, well, you had you had a big trauma, right? Like if it was traumatic enough that we would classify that as a fouche injury, which is a fall on an outstretched um, hand. And so that can create problems all the way up that kinetic chain, all the way up to the shoulder, the neck. You may have strained nerves as that happened, which could create that type of burning type of sensation. So it's clearly related to the trauma and you probably need to focus treatment, not just on the wrist, but also be doing therapy on your elbow and they suggested that I, I go for x-rays on the neck yeah. or something. Yeah, that's, that's not like October the 9th. Yeah, that's if that's not a bad idea because a lot of times fractures don't show up. So it takes time to see the calcification unless it's displaced. So sometimes when someone has a, 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 like a trauma today, we'll send them for an x-ray today, but we'll also follow up in two weeks because sometimes you don't see the fracture line right away. So going oh, on October but, 9th. But the fracture is not the issue. Both of my arms, all right, like... It's, it's almost like balanced on both sides. Um, like, uh, I feel skinless, I, I, you know, just, just by briefly touching. Right. So, uh, so, but what they want to check, right, is, is, is there pressure on the nerve somewhere in the neck creating that? So that type of sensation is likely neurological. So the question becomes, well, did you aggravate the nerve somehow? And the most serious thing that they're likely thinking of is, did you fracture something in your neck? Now, I'm not really sure why October 9th, though, like an x-ray of the neck can be done very, very quickly. I would say give me a call and we'll get you to have one, you know, on Monday. So so that way we can make sure. Excellent. I okay. really appreciate it. Thank no you problem. so, so much. Thank Thanks you. for calling, Larry. The number to call is one 855 Five five, Doctor Lou. We are almost out of time here, so I I'm just going to ask the the next question without bringing the caller on the air. But uh, he's asking about hanging from your feet. Is that good for you? It, is it good for everyone? No. Is it good for some people? Maybe. A lot of these things are very much just dependent. So. Like a lot of people will ask like inversion tables and, mm-hmm. and, and my answer is I, I don't have the research. So I like to answer things based on research. I don't have a good answer based on research. Is hanging by your feet good for you? Are there people out there that hang by their feet and probably find tremendous relief from it? Yes. If it's something you haven't done, there's a lot of things to take into consideration in terms of blood flow and what you could be doing. It's it's a loaded question. I would need to know the extent of why they would want to do that and all those things. But you know, it's not something that I'm. I would, you know, recommend for every single person. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to get into all the details. I, of can, I could take him on after the air if he just stays on the line. I'll speak to him. Awesome, perfect. So, Bill, hold on the line, and Doctor Lou's going to take your call off the air, and we'll uh, get a little bit more insight on that. Otherwise, anyone can give Doctor Lou an email: info at paincarecanada.com. Visit the website paincarecanada.com, or give him a call one eight five five five. Five, Dr. Lou.